This podcast is made possible by Sage People and U.S. Bank. Hello, this is Jennifer Templeman, CFO of Jumpstart for Young Children, and you are listening to the CFO Thought Leader Podcast. This is episode 434. From Middle Market Media, this is CFO Thought Leader, where we speak to finance leaders about driving change within their organizations. Hi, it's Jack Sweeney. How are finance leaders empowering their team members today, especially when they're embedded in different parts of the organization? How are they changing the mix of skills that are represented on their teams? We frequently ask our finance leader guests these questions, and we thought we'd share with you some of the more revealing answers. On this episode, we call Team Design. Hello, Jack here. I have a message for you from the folks at Sage People. Decisions about your people should be driven by data. But is your HR department still using spreadsheets to keep track of your people? It's time to move to cloud. Understand what makes your employees tick. Know your best performers or determine absence trends. All with a cloud HR and people system. Sage People empowers organizations to respond quickly and easily to changing priorities in today's shifting world of work. It means you can make sure your workforce is able to adapt while staying connected and engaged wherever they are. Discover how to get instant insights at your fingertips. Visit us today at sageintech.com forward slash sage. Dash people. We begin our Design Your Team episode with an excerpt from our interview with Jennifer Liu, CFO of Aduro Biotech. Jennifer explained how finance team members, whether they be accountants, CPAs, or data-minded financial analysts, they are each charged with helping the company tell its story. Here's Jennifer. Just about processing. 
making payroll or paying your outside vendors. But in the end, like I have said previously, if if your intent is to utilize the financials in a relevant way to help tell a story about the business, you need a team that can work on being able to tell that story. Because what that does is empower the management team and other leaders in the organization to be better at decision making and to understand earlier on whether you're on or off track in whatever metric you choose. And having those early warnings, utilizing the financial data, is it's very helpful for the rest of the organization. So I, I tend to look for people on my team who have that desire to build the, the analytical capabilities and, and build on their storytelling. Sherry Buck is today the CFO of the Waters Corporation. However, when we last spoke with Sherry, she was CFO of the manufacturer Libby Glass. Libby was in the midst of a transformation, and we spoke to Sherry about the skill sets and people she wanted represented on her finance team. Yeah, um, one of the things I'd like to share is um, giving a little bit of perspective on Libby. We've, uh, in the past couple of years, been very focused on our cost position and about getting our footprint, our manufacturing footprint, the way we desire it. And we're really now starting to um, pivot to more of a growth agenda. And the reason this topic is, is so exciting for me right now is because I think there's a whole different kind of skill set that's required whenever you're working with a business and focusing on growth. Um, there are a lot of opportunities that are out there. And I think really the first step as we try to work with a business and, and helping to achieve that is the right talent and the right kind of skill sets. Um, so currently, there are uh, a couple of key finance positions that we're uh, recruiting to fill. And, and it goes without saying that we're looking for individuals um, who have the basics, the data analysis, your planning and forecasting. But I think the, the key skill set that either we want to hire in or coach our people with um, is something that I call strategic agility. And it's about those people that um, are very focused on change, uh, they're inquisitive, and results-driven. So um, one part of the thing that we're working on is bringing in some new skill sets. And then for the individuals currently in our organization, helping them um, build that confidence to be able to have those dialogues with the business where um, they're much more proactive in talking to the business leaders about what's happening, gaining the insights, and asking, you know, what if we did this or how could something else happen differently? Are there organizational changes that need to happen here as well? Or maybe it's a cultural uh, change. But these are members of your team who are actually becoming parts of other business teams. Am I overstating that? Um, no, I think that's fair. I think what we're working towards is a stronger partnership with the business. Um, today, our finance organizations are embedded within our business units. And um, as our organization is changing to a different um, focus area while still balancing all your costs and productivity, it's, it's requiring our finance organization 
uh, to change and adapt. So I view it as part of our whole living transformation um, and what are the skill sets that are going to help move us forward. So, um, you know, it's changing our finance view of how we view ourselves and how we can be um, at the table with uh, the business leaders, but also um, changing in the business perspective that they see us as someone who can ask those questions and help drive the agenda forward. You talked about building that confidence for those individuals who are being placed out there in the businesses. When they participate in, in business meetings, what are they offering? What types of insights are the people around the tables expecting them to bring forth? So um, these individuals, I would say, um, currently have a lot of the traditional finance experiences. Um, They've got your uh, business analytics, planning and forecasting, reporting, and, um, you know, kind of what they're bringing to the table. I'd say one of the um, very strong things that we have within our finance organization is we have a lot of uh, people who've been with the business, with Libby for a period of time, and they know a lot about the business. And what we're um, helping them pull out of them is leveraging or harnessing all the knowledge they have about glass making and how we go to market and um, feeling confident and feeling okay that they can ask beyond the numbers is probably the best way I would characterize it um, as opposed to just talking about um, or reporting about the numbers or the revenue or the cost that they become more inquisitive. You know, they've been in the organization for a while um, as they're having conversations with a sales manager or with a plant manager and understanding what the issues are, what their priorities are that they're really spreading their wings, frankly, and acting like a business leader, but they just have an expertise in finance. So that's how um, I'm really trying to have them portray themselves and get more involved in the business. You know that finance has been tasked with becoming more collaborative, more communicative, uh, more creative. Um, What, what, uh, you know, how can somebody out in the field suddenly get all these competencies? I'd say it's a combination of things. I'd say one piece of that is experience and um, being able to be in those settings and being encouraged and expected to participate. So a little bit of on-the-job training, if you will. And then uh, I would say for um, you know different individuals, there are outside training opportunities that will help them with um, various communications and um, leadership-type attributes. Um, it fits into overall uh, Libby where we've um, really developed our um, competencies and leadership model and um, our individuals are focused on what are their specific development opportunities and I think you'll find that uh, many of our finance individuals um, really focus on that business acumen and how they communicate with the business. So we use a variety of tools to be able to do, um, enhance um, their effectiveness and there's a little bit of, of learning by doing. Brad Dickerson is today the CFO of Blue Apron. However, when we spoke with Brad last, he was CFO of Under Armour. At Under Armour, he had overseen a vast finance transformation when, between 2008 and 2012, he deployed and embedded finance people across the enterprise, inside the business. We spoke to Brad about deploying those people and the skill sets that were required. Here's Brad. 
Yeah, it's a good question. And, and obviously, you know, resources and, and allocation of resources is probably one of the biggest challenge of a CFO in, in, in an overall company, let alone just within the finance function itself. So to me, it was really important to be successful in embedding the talent into the organization uh, because I think to some degree it became a self-funding mechanism at that point. And instead of trying to fight the business that says, you know, I need to hire some more financial people for us to run our business, um, it was really kind of the other way around where the business started coming to me and saying, I would love to pay for some more resources. I see the value in it. I see the success in it. And these are very valued business partners. So it was really important. Uh, the first couple of financial people we hired and embedded them in the business, it was really, really important that they had the right attitude and personality, uh, maybe a little more extroverted than your typical finance person, uh, but it was really important uh, to them to build that bridge early on with, with, with at the time, with, with some skeptical business partners on what, what did this make the most sense, would this work, um, and uh, it, it ended up working very well. And I think, uh, again, the right personality, the right balance of, of these individuals sitting in the business probably spending 95% of their time with the business, supporting them, making, helping them make decisions, uh, controlling their numbers, giving them some information. And then the 5% of the time that they kind of do spend with that, with, with myself and the corporate finance group, um, you know, it's more around calendar, when we need things, the standardization and, and the policies and procedures and so forth. So, um, you know, to get the dollars and to get the resources built, it was really, really important early on that they, that the business saw the value in this. And once they saw that, it was actually a pretty easy proposition for me that, uh, you know, they, they would come to me and say, I'd love to hire another finance person. So we went from one in 2008, uh, and then pretty much by the end of 2012, had at least one financial person in every critical business uh, we had in our company. You mentioned the personality and you were looking perhaps for extroverts, <laughs> but it seems to me this is where often you can really blow it at the very start when um, you're, you're having your people uh, uh, become part of other teams. I'm wondering if you can reflect a little more on how you establish the mindset for the position. And by this, I mean the mindset of the finance professional who's being embedded in the mindset of the business leader who now has a finance member on their team. Do I really want this finance person sniffing around? Yeah. How do you achieve the correct mindset when it when it's so brand new? Yeah, yeah, I think that was that was the hurdle to cross uh, at, at the early point in time. Is it was the, the skepticism of I don't know if I want you know your teammates sniffing around my business and reporting back to you when I'm what I'm not doing right. And I, uh, you know, I very early on got some critical buy-in with the business leaders too that says the, the real purpose of this is to help them run their business. The last thing that I want is is our critical business leaders and executives focusing in an inordinate amount of time on the numbers and the forecasts and the budgets versus running the business. And I told them the purpose of these positions was to kind of clear the path for them and, and to help uh, make, you know, help hopefully have them avoid spending too much time on, you know, what would be non-value added to them versus the value added things and the consumer facing things or, or running the business operations and the key metrics. Um, so, you know, that was part of the conversation. The second part of the conversation was honestly with the business leaders was, listen, the last thing you want to do is make mistakes. The last thing you want to do is be put in the limelight of making a financial mistake or not being able to see around the corner from uh, missing a budget number or missing a forecast or, 
or, or, you know, actually communicating the wrong information or bad information. And that's not obviously anybody's intention. So, so this position was really designed to help you avoid that. And our job is to put tools in place for you and, and, and resources in place for you to avoid mistakes, avoid surprises. And that surprises is a word we use a lot here. We want to avoid those and be able to see around the corner, especially when you're, you know, growing 30% is the analogy of, of driving down the highway 100 miles an hour with your headlights off at night. Um, you know, putting a financial person on, on a, in a business unit is, is like turning the headlights on. It makes a world of difference. Now, it's not, the, it's not the only thing you need to do, obviously, when you're going that fast, but it really helps a lot. I think that, that kind of upfront conversation and alignment with the business leaders was really, really critical even before I put a financial person in there. And then, obviously, once you put that financial person into that extrovert mentality, I think it's important early on. Uh, you have to build around that eventually and balance that out with analytical skills and technical people and some relationship people. That you, so you got to kind of look at this as a long-term game and say, you know what, that extrovert personality person, uh, if you can get one that's an extrovert and really analytical and really good with numbers and really buttoned up, that's great. But uh, the power of having that extroverted personality initially is to start to build that trust and build the foundation of how this is going to work going forward. And you can build around that over the long term and get the right competencies and the right balance in the long term. But the important thing is get alignment up front with the business and make sure you have early successes. Where would your business leaders likely rank your finance people today when it comes to the people they count on, perhaps? Where, is that possible? Yeah, it's really interesting. And, uh, you know, when, when I set out to do this, I didn't really think that this would be the answer. But I think I would be shocked today if you didn't walk around our company and ask all the critical business leaders, including our CEO, and say, you know, what's the most valued support function in the company right now? I would actually be shocked if, if people did not say finance. We'll be back with our fourth finance leader after these words from our sponsor. The business landscape is changing quickly. As the pressure to manage expenses efficiently and strategically increases, you need solutions that not only help drive down costs and improve efficiencies, but meet the changing needs of your business. At U.S. Bank, we can help. We'll work with you to uncover your specific payment challenges and bring you proactive and innovative solutions and strategies that help you meet the financial goals of your organization. Our commitment to doing the right thing for our customers has earned us the designation of one of the world's most ethical companies from the Ethisphere Institute for six years in a row. To learn more, visit us at usbpayment.com. Well, I hope you agree we've dealt with a number of different aspects of team design. And one area uh, that we've left here to the end is how do you energize that team? How do you impassion that team? A while back, we featured Mark Boothman, who was CFO Emeritus of Kimberly Clark, uh, Mark reflected on his days as a CFO. He responded to our question about building his team in this way. Uh, as a leader in an organization, you, you can't touch everyone. And 
you know, over time, I kind of realized that to reach our potential as an organization, people needed to have clear direction and they needed to feel empowered. Um, which you'll read that a lot in business books, but actually translating that into action in an organization uh, is is a real challenge. And for me, having been the CFO for for 12 years, uh, you have a chance to reflect, and and in a way, you have to eat your own cooking, right? And for me, this this started with a project we called World Class Finance. Uh, that was a project that I led as part of my development opportunity to become a CFO. Uh, and five or six years into my role as CFO, I pulled that material out. And the material, uh, if you looked at it, it as probably 10 years later, the things that we needed to do were exactly the same. We needed to have better forecasting. We needed more efficient, a more efficient organization. We needed to put shared services in place. We needed to enable ourselves with technology. But even after 10 years, we still had the same basic game plan and it caused me to reflect that um, we're working on all these activities, but we still haven't unlocked. I just felt like our organization had more to give. We have fantastic people. We've made a lot of systems investments and it caused me to think about how do we unlock the potential of the organization? I got two pieces of feedback from two of my leaders, uh, one of which is retired and one of which has gone on to uh, become a CFO at another company. Uh, and the two pieces of advice were, one, uh, Mark, you need to focus. I was constantly a, an idea generator of opportunities to improve. And he would always ask me, what are your three things? And of course, I didn't have three things. I had 12 things that we could do. And over time, I kind of narrowed that down uh, to wanting everybody in the organization to do three things. Uh, I wanted people to uh, come into work every day and inspire each other to be their best. I'm a big believer in inspiring your team members uh, or building the talent of people around you. Of course, leaders should do that, but I think in teams, if you've ever gotten feedback from a team member that said you did a great job, there is no better compliment in the world. Um, the next thing I wanted everybody to come to work every day, driving results. At the end of the day, everybody in an organization, but particularly in finance, you've got to be focused on driving results. And oftentimes you can think about process improvement, but not connect it to driving a better business result. And I wanted everybody to drive business results. Uh, and lastly, I wanted everybody to come to work every day and think, how can I do something a little bit better every day? Uh, and that came sort of, down to three things, inspire, drive, and transform. Inspire, drive, and transform. Uh, then I had another one of my, so those were my three things. Like if I could just communicate to every single person in the organization what I wanted them to do, it was those three. Then I had another leader uh, who was a terrific young top talent, a guy named Steve Voskel. Steve was the CFO of international business and he said, Mark, I took your inspired drive and transform and I've turned it in. Let me show you this presentation I gave to the team. And it was called the power of a thousand CFOs. So he had taken this simple concept and he used it to try to communicate to his organization, which was happened to be about a thousand people around the world. And he said, I, I thought, what if we could 
have every single person in my organization think like a CFO. And he called it the power of a thousand CFOs. And that really caught my attention and he'd gotten a lot of positive feedback. Well then of course, everybody else wanted to use it and they wanted to turn it. I had about 2,400 people in the organization and of course someone being finance guys, they said, we should call it the power of 2,400 CFOs, which made no sense at all. And, uh, and over time through some feedback, we distilled it down to the power of a CFO, which is all about how do you get every single person in your organization focused on the critical few things and feeling empowered to make a difference in their small team, whether you're uh, paying bills in Malaysia or you're uh, collecting receivables in, uh, in Belgium uh, or you're driving the forecasting process in North America. You know, it's, it's really trying to reach out and touch each individual in the organization. So, so that was the essence of, of a power of a CFO. And I think one of the benefits I had uh, it, it, sort of being in my role was realizing it wasn't what we were working on that was as important as how we were inspiring the organization to to take ownership of their individual roles. Thought Leader listeners, whether you've already ascended into the ranks of finance leaders or have only just begun the journey, your professional narrative needs a reboot. Join our email list at CFOThoughtLeader.com and receive my latest email series, Finance and the Power of Narrative. It's time to mobilize the past to achieve your goals. Thank you for listening.